Parenthood is a time of so much change for you and your baby. A little reliable information can go a long way towards making this new life a good life. I'm Jessica Rolfe, and this is My New Life, a Love Every Podcast. While the science aligns on what's healthy for a baby's brain development, when it comes to how to care for our babies, there's a seemingly endless supply of competing perspectives. Parents are swimming in advice on sleep, feeding, and parenting philosophies. In this season of the podcast, we aim to provide a variety of curated perspectives so you can make informed choices for your family. Sibling rivalry is normal. The kids usually move on quickly, but it often leaves us adults unhinged. What can you do to help diffuse these tense moments? and maybe even build some mutual respect. In the spring, we shared an episode about bringing home a new baby sibling. Today, we are following up with Love Every expert Gabrielle Fellman on sibling dynamics. We look at how to handle jealousy, possessiveness, fighting. We also discuss best practices around intervening, modeling resolutions, and incorporating one-on-one time. Gabby is an early childhood development specialist based out of New York. Welcome. It's so great to have you here with us, Gabby. I'm so happy to be here and to be back. So let's start with jealousy. You know, when when I compliment my older child about something that they're doing, do I need to compliment or praise the other child so they don't feel left out? I just, it doesn't feel genuine, but I don't really know how to strike this balance. It is such a tricky balance. I often use a phrase to parents to think about that fair is not everything being equal, FAIR is giving each child what they need in that moment of time. And needs shift. So there's going to be one child that may need a bit more encouragement, a bit more time, a bit more narration and compliment when your other child doesn't really need it at that moment. And so if you're, let's say you compliment your one-year-old or notice what they're doing and say, oh, you know, you are working so hard to balance, like your legs are so strong. And your toddler says, look at me, look at me. You can say, yes, you're really noticing I was encouraging so-and-so. I'm noticing that you're this. So it does, you want to bring it back to what they're doing, but it doesn't necessarily need to be a compliment. And then you can even go further and say, can you notice what your brother is doing? He's working really hard on standing you had to work really hard on standing once too. So you bring it back to, you know, the child at hand and not necessarily make it equal in terms of like compliments that you're giving out. And, you know, I was thinking about one of the antidotes is special time, is quality time, like with that one-on-one time that you can give to, you know, each of your children. And I've often struggled to implement it in the, quote, right way. And I think that oftentimes when I do spend quality time and I've really, you know, I've tried to set it up appropriately, like I'm having special time with Thatcher right now, you know, be you're going to go play with Leland and, and daddy. I find that there's still a lot of jealousy. And even if you were sort of pretty organized on when B is going to get her time and, and we talk about that in advance, it doesn't always pan out. So how can I get through this feeling of special time that comes with also ignoring the other child who's being left out? And sometimes they can, you know, kind of want to get in on the mix and it's just really awkward. Yeah, no, it is. And 
there's not necessarily a right way to do it because kids have different temperaments and different needs. So B might not say like, you know what, mommy, that is an incredible idea. I'm just going to like tootle over here and play by myself. Over time, when she realizes that that boundary is set and that she gets her special time, the dynamic will start to shift. But it goes. It also goes back to talking about those emotions. I think you're feeling a little bit jealous that I'm spending time with Thatcher, with Leland, and that's totally normal. But it is so important for mommy to get one-on-one time with each of you and with you all together. And our one-on-one time is going to be after dinner. And sort of you're taking the emotion out of it a little bit. And if you can make it structured, that's amazing. So that she sort of knows when her one-to-one time is each day or each weekend. But to reiterate, what helps build your relationship and get to know each of your kids is to spend that quality time together. And you do that one-on-one and then you do that as a family. Now let's talk about fighting. So fighting and those big feelings that come with it. My Kids will start out doing some kind of like physical play fight, like maybe some wrestling. But then I swear that every single time they start with a wrestle, it usually ends up with some kind of somebody getting hurt, something not going great, um, that my boys will just take it too far. When do you step in? Like, when do you allow them to kind of be playful, wrestle, kind of fight a little bit? And, and when do you, you know, let them sort it out? And when do you step in? So I think that this sort of changes as children get older and more sturdy, but roughhousing and physical play is really healthy for sibling dynamic and development. If your children are a little bit older, I often say to stay close by and to let them do it and really learn to modulate what feels okay and what doesn't in terms of that play, as long as they're like not playing on the stairs. Like we're not, there's no imminent safety threat. And then what tends to happen is it goes too far or someone gets hurt and they're looking for, they either tattle or they're looking for you to like take a side. And that's when you sit down and have I what I call it like a family meeting. And I say, pause. I noticed you both wanted to play this game and it got really exciting. And I think that it went a little bit far huh, at what point did it not feel good to you? At what point did it not feel good to you? I wonder what we can do next time. So you can really start doing that with a model with kids that are three, four, five, and older. I think with younger children, the rough house play is not going to be as common, but what you'll see happen with younger children is toys will get grabbed. Children will push them over if they're coming too far. So that's like the beginning of that rough house play. And with young children, grownups really do need to step in and sort of help model turn-taking or help model how to get through those rougher moments. But with older children, it's really helpful for them to learn how to sort of articulate their needs and come to you if they need help with that articulation so you can help sort of them navigate through what had happened and what they might be able to do differently next time. So as long as they're relatively safe, I let parents know like this is really healthy for them to figure out how they are going to like what their limits are with this sort of play. 
Yeah. And so you mentioned this kind of, you bring them to, to you and you have this sort of family meeting, if you will, or family connection. We call it a peace talk in our family. You know, when the kids argue, because they, they really want me to take a side and then it, it never goes well when I take a side. And so I try to let them sort of talk to each other. It's We've had successes and we've had failures related to this. What are the best practices here? Like how can you help your children work together to come to a resolution? So some of it's modeling, some of it's listening, and some of it's allowing for space. I love the peace talk. Like that is a beautiful way to sort of talk about like, let's be positive and we could be hurt and angry, but we can sort of move past this. And if you're finding that the conversation or you're trying to get everybody to sort of regulate a little bit down and it's not working to say, you know what? Everyone's feelings are really big right now. We're all going to get a glass of water. We're all going to sit in our rooms or like upstairs or quiet or in another room or take a walk. And then we're going to come back and talk about it when our feelings are a little less heightened. When you already have a child and your family is growing, there are so many feelings to navigate from excitement to worry about how to best support your older child. The new sibling course pack has everything you and your older child need to set the stage for their new sibling relationship. Your child will get their own set of books and tools so they can role play and work through all the stages of this change. Whether you're expecting or already navigating the first year as a bigger family, visit loveevery.com today to start the new sibling course pack and see all the course packs we offer. You might think your kids are too young to sort of formulate a meeting or mediate of what might happen, but it's about building perspective. So you might say to your three-year-old, wow, like you worked so hard on that building and you got so angry when it knocked down that you hit your brother and now he's crying and he was so interested in your building and doesn't yet know how to build. And so the way he wanted to play with it was to knock it down. And we need to figure out like, what do you think we can do next time? So that doesn't happen because you worked really hard. So you're giving perspective about sort of where the child, the baby is, you're validating the feelings of where the older child is, and then you're going to be a person that helps promote a solution. So it could be that you say, you know what, let's move the blocks to your room so that you have private space to build and they don't get knocked down. Or you say, you know what, we're going to build while your brother is napping and we will take pictures of all your buildings so that we can keep track. So you start to promote resolutions to the conflicts that happen. As your children get older, you can continue on with that perspective taking. What we want to try to do, not do, is really take a side, even if one side probably did a more appropriate thing. We really want to help children understand what happened and move forward by taking perspective and finding a solution. Children get they get defensive when they feel like they're going to get in trouble. You want to help bring them back by articulating exactly what you see rather than making assumptions. Yeah. I get caught every single time I make an assumption. I'm like, oh, there was more to this story. <laughs> it's such a good reminder. It usually is. I mean, think about like you might yell at your husband for something like so simple and it really had nothing to do with that. You like had a bad day at work, right? Like 
there's so much that happens in our lives and it's the same for children. Yeah. So what about stuff? So let's imagine like we have a two and a five-year-old and, you know, the kids are just really each very territorial about their stuff, almost like everything in the house becomes a land grab. Like this is mine. No, it's mine. And it's like they have to stake claim on every last little thing. And it's weird because these are, you know, oftentimes they're the universal toys for the family. How do you handle this? So this is so common. And a couple of things. I often let each child pick four or five things that are super special and like not shareable. And they go on either a special cubby or they go on a shelf in their room or they go on like a labeled um, basket in a playroom. But it's like the untouchable things where you have to ask before you play. And then the rest of the toys in the house are communal. That can feel hard to sort of choose. But what tends to happen if lots of piles of things go in that basket or on that shelf that become super duper precious, you can go through with your, at least with your older child and say, this basket is getting really full. Is there something that can go back into our communal playroom? With like loveys or special items that stay on a bed or in a crib, those don't often count. Um, And we often see it's usually the older child, like the five-year-old, the four-year-old, the five-year-old, the six-year-old, even a three-year-old that will start to become very possessive of that's mine. A two-year-old that's mine, it's less about the object being special and more about the developmental phase they're in. So you're going to somewhat choose those special things for the two-year-old so that the five-year-old understands that just because they're older, they don't get access to everything. Because when even when a new baby comes who's six or seven or eight months old, everything in the world is going to become special to that older sibling. I mean, a toy they haven't played with in five years is going to be like the most remarkable thing they've ever seen. So it's about creating space for remarkable special things and creating space for communal things. And every time there's a birthday or a holiday or they get something special, you can have a conversation about this. Is this something that's shareable or is this something that's really precious that is going to go in a special spot? And I even see this with playdates because we see some rivalry there that if your child is having a playdate, um, to say, let's put two or three things that are just not an option for this play date so that you don't feel worried during the time that your friend is over. And that's a great tip for siblings and it's a great tip for friends. And what about, okay, let's get to fairness because that's just like such a hot button topic also. You know, I just, I feel like I want, I kind of want things to be fair sort of, but they're not. And how do you explain that not everything is always going to be fair? So I have, I go back to the mantra, I might've said it before that fair is fair in a family dynamic doesn't mean equal. Fair means everyone getting their needs met and that each of your children to, I would say like to Marin and Nora, like you both are unique individuals that need different things and love different things and want different things. And that mommy and daddy have to help you for who you are. And that might be different than what your sister needs. And if that is your mantra, sort of like throughout situations, it helps you articulate why things can't be fair. So for instance, I get a lot of questions like it's so-and-so's birthday, should the other sibling get a present? And while that is really a personal choice, 
I often say like, you know what, this is a special day for that child and that other sibling is going to have a special day, a different day. Or if it's a cup of grapes or blueberries and they're two, your one-year-old has four blueberries and your four-year-old has a cup of blueberries, the four-year-old might say, ah, I have more than you. And you can say like, you do, your body is bigger and needs more food and her body is smaller and needs less food. But if you are, either of you are still hungry, you're welcome to more. So you start to normalize and sort of deflate when there's like quantity comparisons because of like the concreteness of the situation. But with that sort of mantra over and over again to your kids and a concrete explanation of why there's a difference they start to learn like, oh, they can be taken care of even if they're not getting the exact same thing. And then do you, I mean, let's just zero in on bedtime. So what do you do when the, you know, the older one gets to go to bed later than the younger one? Or frankly, you have them both going to bed at the same time because that's what works. And then the older one is like, wait, but I'm older and it's not fair. I should be able to stay up later. Uh, This happens a lot. I go back to using age and using time. So for instance, if your kids are going to bed at the same time, you might say, everybody's going to go into bed at seven o'clock, but when you're five years old, you can have some quiet books in your bed, but it's going to be quiet time and rest time to you. So I'm going to read and help so-and-so fall asleep because their body needs to go to bed at seven. So I tend to use age a lot for, for these types of things. Like I'll use another, even like gum as an example. Your five-year-old wants gum. Your three-year-old wants gum. When you're five, you can have this. When you're three, these are your options. And so I often tell parents to do that at bedtime. What happens is a child will have big feelings, and those are that's what we have to maintain. They're pushing up against a limit, and they're feeling disappointed. But if your answer remains the same and your answer is consistent, when you're three, you go to bed at when the clock says seven zero zero, and then you show them the clock. When you're five, you can go to bed at 7.30. So your sister is going to go to bed a little later. And that feels really disappointing. I'm going to come and read you your books. And your body needs to grow. So we're going to get a good night's sleep. So it's just about managing the feelings that come from the boundary, which can feel hard for parents, especially at the end of the day when you've been sort of having mental gymnastics all day, navigating the world of parenting. Yeah. And if you had to boil it down to one thing that parents could do to foster a good sibling relationship from day one, what would that be? Narrating perspective and allowing your child to not feel like they have to love and be best friends with their sibling. It is an evolving relationship that is going to evolve over a long period of time. And so we want to teach skills about being a good friend, being someone who can listen, being someone who appreciates differences. And if they learn to do that with others, they'll often learn to do that with their sibling, but it needs to be modeled by the parent. Well, this is going to be so great because I have B and Thatcher this weekend and they're so, there's a lot of rivalry happening with them um, and it's just me. And so I, I've got a, I got this inspiration to get through the weekend. So Gabby, it's been so great to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Here are my takeaways from the conversation with Gabby. Fair is not everything being equal. Fair is giving each child what they need in that moment in time. Instead of offering empty compliments all around, try complimenting one child and encouraging the other to recognize that their sibling is working really hard at something. 
Or maybe the older child has certain privileges that the other one doesn't. Use language like, when you're five, you can have gum. When you're three, these are your options. Takeaway number two, make an effort to normalize and deflate the situation when there are quantity comparisons. Yes, you have more because your body is bigger and needs more. It embeds appreciation that everyone gets what they need. Takeaway number three, one-on-one time is important for your relationship with your children. If one child expresses jealousy, validate their feelings and then make it clear when they will have their turn at undivided attention from you. Takeaway number four, roughhousing and physical play is really healthy for the sibling dynamic. As long as there's no safety issue, stay close and help them modulate what feels okay to everyone involved. When it goes too far and they look to you to take a side, sit them down and say, let's pause. At what point did this not feel good to you? What can we do next time? Takeaway number five, modeling, listening, and allowing for space are all the essential pieces of your role as a parent when working towards resolution of sibling differences. Say to your child, you really want me to say who was in the wrong, but there are two sides to every story. Help them gain perspective. Takeaway number six, that's mine. What to do when your kids are staking claim to everything in the house. Allow each child to pick four to five things that are special and not shareable. They go on a special shelf that goes untouched unless they have permission. Everything else can be communal. You can find more tips from Gabrielle Fellman on the Love Every app. Details at loveevery.com. You've been listening to My New Life. If you think this episode might be helpful to a fellow parent, please share. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's show, head over to loveevery.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com. I'm Jessica Rolfe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.